The following podcast contains some adult language and sexual situations. You're welcome. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slightly Concerned. I'm Andrew, joined by the lovely Jazz. Hey, guys. And Jazz, how are you today? I am alive after what has been the most hellish fourth of july weekend i have ever experienced in my life um i learned (laughs) it couldn't possibly be a normal fourth of july no i jazz have a normal weekend (laughs) let's not get ahead of ourselves so i may have almost gotten alcohol poisoning or my body just decided that uh i can't have nice tasting things such as peanut butter whiskey i learned that's a no-go i think that's just because it's all downhill after 25 oh well, that's lovely. <laughs> that gives me a lot to think about and consider. I, I'm not as young and as alcohol drinking as I was when I was uh, in high school. I am too far removed from those beautiful years of being able to drink and have a good time. So now I'm just like carefully sipping and drink old people drinks like Jameson. Cause, uh, Ugh, whiskey. Yeah. Dislike. Well, I dislike peanut butter whiskey now. I learned my fucking lesson. Oh, but peanut butter whiskey is so good in moderation. After you mix it with razzmatazz and you get like a nice uh, peanut butter and jelly shot. Mm, tasty. Don't do a lot though. You specifically. I like. I drank the same amount of Jameson before in the same amount of time and was completely fine. But the peanut butter whiskey, I don't know what about it turned my insides to my outsides for like a five hour period of me just sitting in my shower after I had to like call my mom because I thought I could possibly die from alcohol poisoning and she's just stripped me down and hosing me with a with my uh medical happy shower head and she's just hosing me down saying jazz you gotta like get up or not pass out because uh are you gonna sleep in here like what are you doing I'm just like, I made so many mistakes and just, I I don't think I've ever threw up that many times before in my life, but it was intense. I set a record for myself. Never again, peanut butter whiskey. Well, I am glad that you're alive, if not because I need a co-host, but also, you know, I'm just glad that you're alive. Really, Jazz. Uh-huh. It's okay, because when I told Andrew about my time, she was like, you're not allowed to die. I still need a co-host. We still got, like, three more episodes. I was like, thanks. <laughs> thanks, Andrew. Yeah, we got to wrap up this season. It is episode <laughs> eight, Jazz. It's episode eight. What are we talking about today? Oh, I want to talk about how you're doing, so you can't cut it nasty about it next podcast. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's more than Jazz almost killing herself from alcohol poisoning. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, honestly, I don't have a whole lot to report. Had a very nice, peaceful, and also productive weekend. Uh, spent time at the pool, and yeah, it's just been a very nice, relaxing time. I wasn't really feeling the whole celebrate 4th of July thing, uh, given the current situation of the world, but definitely got to relax and enjoy life that's all (laughs) wonderful so yeah yeah okay that was a nice stark change to my weekend 
I mean, I think we can always count on me to have a, a much more peaceful time than you. <laughs> fair, fair, fair. <laughs> so, Jess, what are we talking about today? All right. So this week, we're going to dive into the executive branch, because I think two episodes back, maybe three, I'm bad at counting and math. It was a while ago. We talked a lot about like con- the Congress. The Congress conga. The Congress conga with the SpongeBob reference that everyone loved. And I realize now that I probably should have put one in the script, but maybe, maybe next time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there should always be SpongeBob references in this show, obviously. If we're going to say oh. that it's a show by millennials, then we should cater to millennials and always do SpongeBob references. You're right. But alas, we failed today. Alas, we failed. I'll try. I'll try to squeeze one in somewhere. <laughs> oh, yeah. Squeeze it in. <laughs> Moving on. Yeah. So we have the presidency and the vice presidency, and they are all part of this branch called the executive branch. And the executive branch include, we have a lot of government organizations that are in the executive branch. So if you think of the CIA or the military, that is all part of the executive branch. And the president sits at the head of that. So he has a lot of power. And I've lied to myself for the last four years saying, it's okay, he can't do that. It's okay, he can't do that. But realistically... But realistically, he can. There's a lot more than Twitter at his hands. Oh, oh, there's so much more than Twitter at his hands. So I need everyone to go vote. If you if you want him back, that's okay. You're entitled to your opinion. And it can also be incorrect. But um... <laughs> Well, that's not really what we're here for, though. We are True. here to tell the facts about what is what and what the president can't do and you know, whether or not he's your choice, that's totally fine. This is just to give a general education on how the presidency works and what the executive branch does. So let's dive into like the president's biggest power, which is the executive order. So executive orders can pretty much do three different things. They can issue an order within the confines of the law. These orders are directed towards the executive branch. So these orders do not necessarily become law. It's not like if we were to decide to pass legislation on abortion, that's going to affect everyone within the United States. Whereas the executive orders tells the executive branch what to do and how to interact. So these can have direct impacts on your life, or they may not. Because again, a lot of times these are like military orders that we're telling what our military branch to do, or they may be telling the CIA who to investigate or who not to investigate and things like that, which can impact everyone in a greater scheme. But the- Can you tell the CIA that they can't have abortions? Yes. Hmm. Until, well, not necessarily, because <laughs> I believe there is now a law stating that it gets really wonky because abortions is a really fun topic because abortions have been touched on by all three branches of government. I think abortions are allowed, but it's very loose because we have this concept of states and we like to let states, because they're smaller regions, dictate laws within it. Because I know in Georgia, they passed a bill called the Heartbeat Bill which means that after you've been pregnant for six weeks, you're not allowed to have an abortion. At that point, it's considered murder. Well, let's go ahead and abort this topic and move back (laughs) 
and move back to the executive orders. Again, any executive order is viewed as federal regulation. So federal regulations carry the same impact of law, but federal regulations can't necessarily change the wording of law. It can point how you view the law around. So like similar to like all men are created equal that's been in our legislative history for a long time, but defining who men are can depend on the executive branch or the judicial branch to define that term. Right, because when it was first written, US. it was really just like all white men who own land are created equal. Right, and that was the connotation. And that's the cool thing about like the judicial branch, because they were able to say, well, we just say we should cut that whole part about not being a landowner. And then it was like, we should allow black people in on this. And then it was like, I guess women count too. And now we're getting <laughs> into the point where we're counting um, the LGBTQ barbecue people. So. <laughs> My dishwasher I, I can you vote? Your dishwasher can vote. No. Uh, but no, the LGBTQ <laughs> community is now considered people. But in, like, a very nuanced way, because technically they can still create laws or things. Because with the judicial branch, and this is going to be a tangent, but I need to specify, the judicial branch can only declare things constitutional and unconstitutional or declare what a law is meant to say within the district that the court oversees, and only in regards to what the case was. If we were to want to change the abortion law in Georgia to deem that it's unconstitutional to take away the women's ability to have an abortion past six weeks, I can take that up to court and I can sue my doctor for denying me this right. I can sue the general practices for denying me this right. And if I were to sue for my right to have an abortion, I first have to find a group to sue and I have to bring it to the municipal courts and then they can say yay or nay on it. So if they say yay, I'm good. I can have my abortion and they can repeal that law in the area that I'm in. But they say yay abortion. Yay abortion. Or let's say if Congress <laughs> decides that to say you can have abortions up until six weeks of a pregnancy then i will have to go up higher in the court system and what will have to happen is they would have to tell me no in order for me to go up to another rank in the court system so you got the municipal courts you got the magistrate courts you got the circuit courts and there are 12 circuit courts in the u.s and then you got the supreme court all of these courts get to pick and choose which cases they hear so I will not only have to be told no all the way up to the Supreme Court, but then the Supreme Court has to go, yeah, we'll hear it. And then at that point, the Supreme Court can decide yay or nay on the women's right to have an abortion or the fact that um, they can even declare when a child is considered a U.S. citizen or not a U.S. citizen and all that fun stuff. Oh. Yeah, because that's within their rights, too. So if it gets to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court were to rule whether or not you could have an abortion, then what would happen then? Would that be something that is referred to throughout the rest of the United States? Yes, that's what's called judicial precedent. And judicial precedent carries the same weight as law. Oh, okay. That makes sense. So the judicial branch can make laws, essentially, that aren't actually laws. And then apparently the president can make laws that aren't actually laws. But I thought that that was Congress's job. You're right. 
Yes. Congress actually creates the laws, and those things are set in stone, and the only thing that can kick a law back is the judicial branch and the Supreme Court. So they can deem a law unconstitutional, but the only way that they can kick a law is if they were able to cite it from the Constitution. So that's the check on the judicial branch. So if it were the abortion law, they would have to cite the Constitution as to why the abortion law is unconstitutional and kick it. Okay. And the executive branch can only do things within the laws of Congress. They can't decide that this law that Congress passed isn't right, so they're going to ignore it. But they can say, all right, so this is the law and this is how we're going to interpret it. Because a lot of times if you actually look at legislation, it can be seen as guidelines And a lot of times it's not specified who is impacted by the law. Same as when we were talking about all men are created equal, that being only men who own property are created equal. Okay. So So what is the point of having all of these options to make laws when we already had Congress? I mean, if you remember our talk about that SpongeBob episode to build a statue... It takes a very long time for Congress to make a law. One law that, for example, is the CARES Act, which that law, if you were to look at the history of it, you can actually see where uh, it was originally introduced in January, February of 2019, which is why a lot of people are just like, oh, COVID is a conspiracy theory, when in fact that law was had the same kind of information about healthcare and things like that. And what they did was they took that bill and they gutted it. So that way it was already introduced. It was already on the table. We didn't have to worry about rewriting the entire law. We just had to add the uh, little things like the stimulus checks, the you get to have work leave and other information. So it became a vehicle with amendments and stuff. And that's why it was able to be reintroduced with the amendments on March 12th. And we were able to pass it March 27th because that is really quick. But that all being said, if the president had that money already sitting in his bank for the executive branch for like the U.S. Treasury to give out to U.S. citizens, he could have also did an executive order to do that. But unfortunately, we did not set money up for that when we set up the federal budget at the beginning of the year. Hmm. So how would he... How would he do that with an executive order? Well, again, I mean, well, okay, never mind, because I guess the Treasury would be in charge of handling, you know, divvying out the checks and stuff. Yes, the Treasury is in charge of divvying out the checks. And if the let's say the bill did not specify who all could get a check, which I think in the bill legislation, it said that it's based off the 2018 tax year. And there is a lot of hullabaloo about whether or not we should use 2018 because people's financial situations could change. But we haven't filed a 2019 tax year yet because I think tax day is April 15th in a usual non-pandemic year. Yeah, and now it's like July 23rd or something. Exactly. When we passed this law, not everyone had had a chance to file for it because it wasn't close to the deadline. So if we were to do it based off that, anyone who did not file would not be able to get a check, which isn't fair to them because they didn't do it. But then they still had time to do it with the original guideline. Gotcha. But could the president decide what to do with the money that's been kicked back because the person's been dead? Kinda. Oh. 
They could technically say, yes, we want to reallocate this funds, but he can only reallocate those funds because the bill specified this is for the stimulus check. So he could reallocate that towards the next stimulus package because the only way he can send that money out is through a stimulus check package because it's been decreed. It's not like he can take that money and move it towards military spending Oh, because by law, that money is used for stimulus money. Right. Which, which is a, a big thing that has been talked about recently is the military budget and how we shouldn't be putting nearly as much money into the military right now when we have a lot of needs in the country that need to be addressed ever since the pandemic started. And I guess it's a good thing to clarify that that money has already been, been delegated and it's set aside locked. and established and there's not right. much that can be done right about it at least for this year because it was it's right, already right this been... is 100 percent true so the president can't just cut money from the armed forces just because we need to move the money elsewhere congress will have to delegate that and that would mean that they would have to redo the budget which is a huge daunting task and it, it gives me PTSD. And they're kind of already working on next year's budget. Yes. Yes. They are starting it. Yeah. So they would have to, it would just throw a huge wrench in the entire system because our system is kind of made to work slowly. True. So reallocating the funds isn't a possibility for people that have been wondering that because I've, I've noticed quite a few posts about that. And so I did just want to clarify right. that. It would just be illegal because that money has been set forth and he can't do illegal things or else we get another opportunity to try and impeach him. But anyway. So Jazz, can you give me an example of an executive order just to make sure that I understand what's going on okay. here? So uh, one of the more recent executive orders is Executive Order 13813. That was dropped October 12th of 2017 which pretty much takes the Affordable Care Act. And the president, at the time, Trump, decided to delegate how he wanted the executive branch to work with that legislation. So um, the order seems to try and tackle the state boundaries issues that came up with the healthcare providers. So with the original idea of the healthcare providers is it's going to be locked within states because states have a better idea of how they're working. But the issue came up that there are corporate offices, like my dealership's corporate office is in Florida, which is in a different state than mine. But they are also the ones who do all my healthcare stuff. So they were locked into what healthcare plans in Florida to offer me in Georgia, mm. which makes it hard because not all doctors accept the Florida insurance. Right. So this executive order, it tried to break down those state boundaries. So now I think we're using South Carolina insurance for Georgia, which is easier for whatever reason than the Florida one. His decree was to take all actions consistent with the law to minimize the unwarranted economic and regulation burdens of the Affordable Care Act and prepare to afford the states more flexibility and control to create a more free and open healthcare market. So that's the quote from the executive order given by, or it's not a quote of the executive order. That is the quote from the interpretation of the Constitution Center of Trump's order. So pretty much he is sending a directive to the Affordable Health Care Act federal organization to allow the 
different corporate groups and smaller businesses to get a little more buying power, allowing them to group up with other places such as like unions to be able to buy things outside of their state lines that can better benefit their people. So that is an example of an executive order. Interesting. Very interesting. I I actually did not know about that at all. And uh, I appreciate you telling me that because I don't, I think that that's kind of a good thing. Right. And that's kind of nice because I think that when it comes to politics, it's very important to be well-read and researched and understand who your candidates are and what they stand for. And I don't think that there is ever a good candidate or a bad candidate because everybody's just people. Or a politician. And so while you don't agree with somebody, they can still do good things. And if you do agree with somebody, they can still do bad things. It's this is true. important to understand who you're voting for and to be involved in general. It's hard and it's daunting and it's scary. But look at the, <laughs> look at the country right now. I think it's really important that everybody gets involved and does their part so that we can make it less scary for everyone. This is true. And don't just take my synopsis because I just took a really small piece of that executive order. So also don't be afraid to keep reading past what has been given to you guys. Just because Jazz said this about this one piece of executive order doesn't mean that's all that's in the executive order. I think it was like four or five pages. And one of the concerns by this executive order is allowing more flexibility. People have brought up concerns that, well, can insurance companies now deny people based off of uh, pre-existing conditions, which is another thing that was tossed up. I'm not sure if it was necessarily in this executive order, but it was designed to give more accessibility for the healthcare market. And as always, you know, don't just take our word for it. Just like the disclaimer says at the end of the episode, you know, do do your research. Now is definitely the time. We're kind of running low on time until the next election. So be sure to just do a little light reading and find out who who the people are that you like and who support your interests and who you want to vote for. Right. And understand that, you know, everyone is a person and they might make mistakes or they might do things that you don't agree with. But that doesn't mean that, you know, they can't be the best for you. This is true. I always like to think about who I'm voting for based off of what their capacity to function in the government is. So, like, I know that the president has two major superpowers, which is his power to veto and his power for executive orders. So thinking about military and how you expect them to behave or how you expect federal agencies to behave or how you want laws to be stopped is a good way to pick a president that aligns with those views that you have when those things can come into play. Because I know usually I pick very democratic presidents because I feel like his or her position has more power to stop laws and to protect people in their general capacity to be humans. Whereas the legislative branch I may want a more conservative person who is more amped to keep our budget in line. Right. So I may pick someone who's more conservative for my state and. So you try to balance the scale. Yeah, I don't just. And... Yeah, I don't just pick the person because they're blue, or pick the person because they're red, or pick the person because they look pretty in their picture. That makes sense to me. Which unfortunately, there's not many on that 
gal. There are not too many very pretty people running in my area. (laughs) So you mentioned the military, and that actually brings to mind the situation with the riots and the National Guard being called upon. Okay, so that is a very interesting spot because there is in the Constitution laws for martial law. So pretty much the martial law cannot be implemented without the executive and congressional branch agreeing that martial law needs to take place. But we're falling into that gray area of the fact that the president can order the executive branch, which includes the National Guard. So yes, he can absolutely direct the National Guard to assist precincts. The issue falling into it is if he can tell the National Guard to behave in a particular way, or is he allowing the National Guard to be controlled by the precinct leaders? Because he could absolutely say, National Guard, go out and assist these play areas because there is turmoil and we need to keep everyone safe. But he can't necessarily say, okay, National Guard, I need you to go in and make sure that everyone is having a curfew at this time. He cannot decree like the curfew areas, but if they he decides to send a National Guard to areas that agree with his curfew ideas, that's where it's the okay gray area for his presidential powers. Okay. He can't necessarily tell them what to do when they get there. He can make suggestions and then the local governments can agree or disagree, but then they just have more bodies to use, right. basically. Is that right? What you're saying? And so Governors and stuff can request National Guard aid, and the president can supply National Guard aid, and the president can be almost kind of picky and choosy about where he sends National Guard aid. So he could send it with people who agree with him politically on how to resolve the rioting issues, which is where people were starting to call out him trying to decree martial law, because National Guards were going towards areas that were already putting in fact a curfew and limiting rioters rioting and then uh protesters unfortunately were kind of lumped in with the rioters yeah so it was viewed as an attack on people's right to protest well i mean there was that one protest outside of the church there there were a lot a lot but yes the one protest outside the church where he did have the national guard cleared out for his photo op was not necessarily the best use of his presidential power but it is a right that he has been given by the constitution it's that gray area and in order for us to deem that unconstitutional someone will have to sue they would pretty much have to sue donald trump or the military for attacking them and then that has to go up through all the levels of the court and then picked out by the Supreme Court, which they may or may not do because sometimes they will pick super politically loaded topics and other times they just let it sit and they pick something that's not as loaded. Yeah, I mean, fair enough. Yeah. Sometimes it's hard to touch that hot button issue, Mm -hmm. but I guess it is kind of their job. I think it would be interesting if somebody from the protest did sue just to see what the impact of that would be because while we can say that it was a misuse of force technically we don't have the it's still opinion the only person that can officially declare that is the judicial branch correct correct you can try but again it's 
becomes very costly to do that sort of suing, which is why like companies like the ACLU are awesome because they will pick up cases like that to work with you to go through the entire legal process. Because that's what I got my card because I donated to them. Yay. I actually I actually did, you know, what we said we would do in the podcast. That's awesome. I'm proud of you. Lead by example. <laughs> yeah. I truly think the ACLU is a fantastic organization. If you are concerned about protesters' rights or all the children who are being held in almost concentration camps, but less worky, it's just that they're just kept in cages things like that, or individual rights. That's what the ACLU chapters are created to do, is to help provide protection for people's human rights and civil rights and constitutional rights. So yeah, support them if you can, or think that I'm crazy. It's up to you. I think that people will think that you're crazy regardless, but (laughs) you are informative, and that is what's important. That's right. We can count on you for information. One thing that I want to mention that executive orders are not necessarily like the end all be all. It's almost considered like a hot fix. So so like hammering a bandage on. <laughs> yeah, it's like hammering a bandage on and in order to change that bandage out since it's been hammered in, we just pretty much have to take out that piece of board and replace it with new legislation. So one example of that is the executive order by Bill Clinton, the don't ask, don't tell order, where the military is just like, don't say that you're gay and we'll let you stay. But if you do say that you're gay, we're going to have to kick you out. Fun. It was a much larger issue, but I tried to boil it down super quick. But pretty much that was the law of the military force until like 17 years later, Congress actually finally passed the law repealing that order from Bill Clinton. So now it is okay to be gay in the military. And there was a lot of work going on to allow people who were kicked out of the military for coming out as gay to be back into it. And they're working towards keeping them at their same military stature in their ranks and things like that. Oh, nice. So, Jazz, I find myself thinking that no one man should have all that power. (laughs) Is there somebody that checks on the president and all of these executive orders, you know, as they're happening? So, yes. The Congress can't necessarily tell the president that that was a bad order. You can't do it. But what the Congress can do is a lot of times when we create these federal laws... We create new agencies that live in the executive branch. And when those agencies are created, a committee is formed in Congress that oversees what they're doing and making sure that they're behaving within the confines of the law. So you can think of it kind of like when you make a new franchise store from like Subway or somewhere like that, where you have corporate coming in and making sure everything is running super duper smoothly as they saw the envision for the store. And you can think of the president like the general manager of the store and they see the day-to-day actions or say, okay, this is what I need you guys to do today. Perfect. They're running it around. And then you have inspections that come around that's done by the congressional committee 
or they could see something that has been done by the new agency that was created that they didn't really agree with. And at which case, the congressional committee pretty much does this blast on them and tells them this is not what the law was meant to say, which is the only time that Congress can actually delegate the interpretation of laws is with congressional oversight of uh, government agencies. So it's not just the president that the agencies have to be concerned with. They also have to watch out for their congressional committees and make sure that they're abiding by their desires as well. I do like a congressional agency that assists with my desires. Yes, always. Help us all with our desires. Well, Jazz, I think that about wraps us up for this week. I think we talked about everything that we needed to talk about you learned me real good i'm so glad i feel knowledgeable now after you guys learned me on vaccines i had to learn you on something or else i just feel like that third will with funny how are you jazz stories (laughs) (laughs) i mean that was me in the internet friends episode so there and if any of you guys have like any hangover cures and remedies or how to avoid puking out all of my insides please don't forget to email us at we're slightly concerned at gfl.com or any questions that you may have that you would like for us to research i believe we're getting towards the end of the season aren't we andrew yeah this is episode eight we're going to ten So we have two more episodes after this one. And next week, we're going to dive into a little bit of adulting. Yes, I love adulting. It is not the bane of my existence, but I'm going to at least try to make sure it's not the bane of yours. (laughs) Jazz is going to teach me some more things, and I am always appreciative for it. Yay! (laughs) Well, once again, everyone, thank you so much for listening and join us next week you know where to email us and yeah this has been andrew and jazz we've been pretty concerned lately see you guys bye-bye the information represented in this podcast is based on loosely researched topics done by millennials and do not represent the beliefs of their employers or any other group affiliations In fact, we recommend that you all research your topics as well and not just take our word for it. Take care and we appreciate you.